our mystery drama, A Private Demon, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Norman Rose. It is brought to you in part by Ace Books. Where there is charity and wisdom, there is neither fear nor ignorance. Where there is patience and humility, there is neither anger nor vexation. That's what Francis said about charity, wisdom, patience, and humility. But, of course, he could practice them to the full. After all, he was a saint. We lesser mortals are not so happily situated. The things of this world, fame, success, the adulation of the crowd, too often, these are the guiding lights and the driving forces, even in the most remote and abstruse fields of endeavor. There's some of the roast left, Professor. Ah, that's good, Mrs. Lufkin. Although you really shouldn't have anything more this evening. That's true. Oh, and there's some beer in the refrigerator. Oh, thank you. But you shouldn't drink it. I understand. Oh, and uh, if you want to go out for a walk later tonight, uh, your heavy sweater is in the hall plus. But I shouldn't go out because I can catch my death of cold in the night air. Yeah, that's absolutely true. (laughs) Do you suppose you could end this seemingly limitless litany of illicit activities and tell me perhaps what I am permitted to do? Well, I would start working on my acceptance speech. Huh? Which acceptance speech is this? <laughs> the one you're going to make in Stockholm next month, when you accept the Nobel Prize. Oh, I wasn't aware that I'd received it. Oh, you will, you will, you will. Uh, you overestimate my importance. <laughs> well, I don't see how you can be overlooked. My field of activity is simply too, well, let's say, specialized. Too restricted to a single, rather shadowy, almost prehistoric people. I hear all the gossip on the campus. <laughs> I shouldn't be at all surprised. And I hear all those big-time professors say, Jeremiah Soames is the foremost pure historian in the world. The Nobel Prize. And why not? Because it is a highly complex situation. And there are all sorts of political implications. Write the speech. It could be your year. Mrs. Lufkin, now why aren't you on your way? I'm going, I'm going. Oh, would you look at this floor? What's wrong with it? It needs a good scrubbing. Nonsense, it's absolutely spotless. Uh, I didn't get around to it Tuesday morning. Maybe I'd just better take care of that before I go. You will miss the bus. Uh, That might be a good idea. You should stay another day or two with your sister-in-law. No, thank you. One night with my late brother's relic is more than sufficient. Good night, Mrs. Lufkin. Good night, Professor. Oh, and don't get into any mischief while I'm gone. Mischief? Me? <laughs> I think I'll snack on some of that roast beef. Oh, Professor. Oh, Mrs. Lufkin, back already? Oh, I almost forgot. Yes? A gentleman called you, a Mr. David Porter. Hmm? He asked if you would be home tonight, and I said yes. He said he would stop by to see you sometime after eight. And I said it would be best for him to make an appointment. He he said it was a most vital matter and that it couldn't wait. And then he hung up. A Mr. David Porter? Do you know the gentleman, sir? I never heard of him. I I, I don't know how I came to forget that. I don't know either. Uh, Good night again, Mrs. Lufkin. Oh, but you look at you. What now? You wore that shirt again. I feel quite comfortable in it. but it has to be laundered. Now, please, don't wear it again tomorrow. They'll put it aside tonight, and I'll do it as soon as I return. Yes. You promise? You have my solemn oath. And now for the third time, good night, Mrs. Lufkin. Good night. Uh...
Professor Jeremiah Soames? Uh, yes. My name is David Porter. I must speak with you, sir. Uh, well, please come in. Oh, thank you. Uh, I have a chair. Well, Mr. Porter? I'm an instructor in ancient history at Southern State. Ah. I'm writing my doctoral thesis on the people of Chator. Ah. I was inspired to do research in the field because of you, Professor Song. Oh, well, thank you. You were the one who discovered the people of Chator. Yes, the people of Chator. I read your work in college. Your definitive work. It had more influence on me than anything I'd ever read before or since. It actually guided me toward my own field of endeavor. It has become my life just the way it's become yours. Ah, yes. The people of Chator. A little-known dimly perceived tribe who appeared briefly at the very early, perhaps even the false dawn of history, and then disappeared, leaving behind a few artifacts from which you, sir, have so brilliantly constructed their daily lives. Oh, well... And you have those artifacts here, in this room. The flint knives, the axes, the drills, the bowls. M may I? Oh, yes, of course. They, they were meant to be touched. And the little serpent carvings. Yes. Chator. Meaning serpent. Yes. They would be serpent people. Yes, yes, Professor. You are the discoverer of the people of Chator. And you were the leading authority. Uh, I was the leading authority, Mr. Porter. There's talk of a Nobel Prize, isn't there? Yeah. Mr. Porter, exactly what have you come here for? You were my idol. You inspired me. Because of you, I found my life's work. I couldn't wait to do my thesis. And so I went there, into the incredible desert wilderness that lies between Iran and Afghanistan. I went to the place where you had discovered the people of Chator. How long ago? How young I was. And these were the people who formed the link between the late Cro-Magnon and the earliest modern man. <laughs> Is this what you have come to tell me? I've come here, sir, to tell you, in sorrow, for you have been, and you always shall be my idol, that you have been wrong about the people of Chator. I beg your pardon? The people of Chator are not the transition people. Mr. Porter, just what are you up to? Had you gone further into the country, had you dug deep... Now, see here. Yes, you found their early artifacts, but they went beyond those. They developed these... And what, may I ask, is that? A dagger. I see that it is a dagger, but what does it have to do with... This is a Chator dagger. Well, that's, that's impossible. Why? It, it's made of metal? Yes. A primitive bronze. Well, this discredits you immediately. The Chator were a late Stone Age people. You are convinced they emigrated south and west and were wiped out by the stronger tribes they encountered in Asia Minor. That isn't true. Sir, I see no need to prolong this pointless discussion. Read my note. I have neither the time nor the inclination to humor every charlatan who barges in here. I challenge you. I say they went north and east. They never died out. Their descendants still live in the remote fastness beyond Karakum. Oh, that, that, that's nonsense. Why are you afraid? Read these. You'll see. They show. They prove... I have found the Chator. They speak the language, the very language you put together. You claim the language and the people died and disappeared, but here, read this. Why are you afraid? Why should I be afraid? Then read. 
believe a word of this. You know it's true. Why have you shown me this? I want your blessing. My blessing? As of right now, you are the authority. I want you to sponsor me. Sponsor you? Why? I am carrying your work forward. You are denying everything I ever held to be true. But I'm building on your foundation. You discredit me. Your place is secure. But now you must yield to men who have gone beyond you. It happens to all great discoverers. Darwin, Freud, Einstein. Yes, but not yet. Not now. Not this year. Wait till I'm dead. Professor! This... This dagger destroys me. This bronze-bladed dagger destroys me. Why did you have to find it? Because it was there. Why did you have to bring it here and show it to me? Because I wanted you to be the first to know. The first to know that I'm disgraced? Professor, that isn't true. Oh, I could kill you. What are you saying? I could kill you with this dagger. I could kill you. The work Professor. of a lifetime. Professor, you've gone mad. You said... I'm bleeding. Help me. Help. Help you. After what you tried to do to me, I'll help you. I'll help you. Professor Soames? Yes? Your office uh, isn't easy to find. <laughs> Which is only fitting and proper. You see, my specialty concerns an obscure and out-of-the-way people, so I have been assigned an obscure and out-of-the-way office. I'm uh, Lieutenant Barnett of the uh, city police. Oh, if it has anything to do with tickets to the annual policeman's band, I'm afraid that's uh, not why I'm here. Huh. Well, I, I do have a class very soon. Is it important? Yes, sir. It's murder. Murder? Why, well, how may I be of assistance? Mr. David Porter was killed last night. David Porter? Did you know him? Uh, no. We understand that... Uh, he was supposed to have visited you at home last night. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. But, well, you see, that wasn't what you had asked me. You asked me if I knew him. No, the man was a complete stranger. But, uh, you did see him last night. Oh, yes. When? Oh, it was just a bit after eight. May I ask the, uh... Purpose of his visit? Of course. You see, he was a teacher of history, and he wanted to consult with me on a uh, specialty of mine. That's right. Uh, you're the uh, Professor Soames everybody's talking about. <laughs> Everybody? Well, there was a piece in the papers about you being uh, up for a prize. No, that's the merest speculation. But uh, what a shot in the arm it would be for this uh, old town, huh? Well, anyhow, uh, you'd never seen this uh, David Porter before, huh? No. Do you mean that after he left my house last night... His uh, body was found in his car. It was uh, parked just off exit 18 on the interstate. What had happened to him? He was stabbed to death. Oh. Oh, no. We figure he stopped to pick up a hitchhiker. Whoever it was killed him. How horrible. Everything he had on him was gone. His watch, his ring, his wallet. His wife says... His wife? Yeah, he was married. It's... Uh, Kind of tough on her. She's going to have a baby. Oh. What time uh, would you say he left your house? Well, it was well after nine. Yeah, and by ten o'clock he was already dead. That's uh, that's when his body was discovered. Oh, I, I feel so badly, Lieutenant, so badly. 
I don't think that I can ever forgive myself. Why? What'd you do? Oh, it's for what I didn't do. I don't understand, sir. Well, you see, he had come to me with a perfectly ridiculous hypothesis. And I, I'm afraid I dismissed him out of hand. I, well, it's unforgivable, but I, I'm, I'm afraid I laughed at him. Professor, if it was ridiculous like you say it was, what else could you have done? Well, I might have been kinder to him, Lieutenant. Just a little bit kinder. Oh, yes. Much kinder and certainly not nearly so sharp. Well, Professor Soames is one of the most intelligent criminals we've had around here in a long time. And considering that he had to play this one by ear, he's not doing it all badly so far. However, this is only the end of the first act. Got it. one of the most ancient of weapons. Literally, our professor has committed one of the most ancient of crimes. Murder. For some of the most ancient of reasons. A. Jealousy. Which is why Cain killed Abel. And B. For the protection of one's turf. Which is why Romulus killed Remus. Things are not really too much different today, are they? Oh, Mrs. Lufkin, you're back home already, I see. Yes, one night and one morning with my sainted sister-in-law is punishment enough for the most hardened sinner. Oh, I see you ate all the roast beef. Guilty as charged. Mm. And you drank all the beer. You were not here to preach temperance, Mrs. Lufkin. And you also disapproved of my housekeeping, Professor Holmes. How can you say such a thing? It's obvious. You actually scrubbed the floor. Well, who did? Well, you can see for yourself. This part here, near the table. It wasn't nearly this clean when I left. And it's certainly much cleaner than, than this part on the other side of the room. Oh. You could have waited for me to come back. Oh, well, I see the brush marks. You know, you must have gotten down on your hands and knees. Oh, now really, Professor, what on earth ever made you do a thing like that, huh? I, uh, I had spilled something on the floor. What? Coffee. Coffee? Oh, that's impossible. Why do you say it's impossible? Because you never drink coffee. You're not allowed to. Yes, I know. But, uh, well, you see, I had a guest. Oh, yes. Yes, this um, David Porter. Mm-hmm. And he uh, had been driving a long way to get here, and he really wanted a cup of coffee. I suppose you used that as an excuse to have some yourself. Hmm? In bringing it to the table, I must have tripped. No, no, I didn't. I, I slipped. Yes, that's what I did. I, I pitched forward slightly, and I, well, I spilled the coffee. Quite a bit of it landed on poor Mr. Porter's jacket all over the front. Oh, my goodness. And a great deal of it just spilled down all over this part of the floor. But why didn't you just wipe it up and forget about it? You know I'd be back this morning. Well, I understand that coffee leaves a stain. And when you would see that, you'd know that I'd been indulging in forbidden fruit, as it were. <laughs> you know, there is no getting past you, Mrs. Lufkin. You managed to find me out. I always do, Professor. <laughs> Yes, Mrs. Lufkin? Uh, Professor, there, there's a detective downstairs to see you. Uh, his name is um, Lieutenant Barnett. Oh. I, I suppose it's about that terrible thing that happened to that uh, poor Mr. Porter the other night. Yes. To think I'd spoken to him on the phone just a few hours before he... Uh, 
What sort of person was he, Professor? No, well, nice enough, young man. Ah, it's a pity. I told the officer that you were very busy, but he insisted on seeing you. Oh, it's all right. I, I don't understand. What does he want to bother you for? Tell him that I'll be down directly, Mrs. Luskin. Yes, sir. Sorry to bother you again, sir. <laughs> you know that's odd. I've heard that so many times. I've read it in so many novels. The detective always says that. Well, you know what they say, uh... Life imitates art. Yes, I'm sure. Now, how may I help you, Lieutenant? Well, the dead man's wife, the uh, the widow, Mrs. Porter, as you know, uh, well, she's been in a state of shock. Actually, I didn't know. But it's understandable. She said that her husband had come here to see you on some uh, scholarly matter. Yes, yes, that's right. I believe I told you that. When we found him in the car, everything of value had been uh, stripped from him. I remember that you had mentioned it. His wife said he had an attaché case. He used it to carry his papers. They were important to him, the papers. The attaché case was missing. Uh, Now, did he have it with him when he called on you? Hmm. Did he have an attaché case? Hmm. I would assume he must have. After all, uh, you said he had come to you with a perfectly ridiculous hypothesis. I would assume it was in writing, and uh, you saw it or you read it, didn't you? Oh, yes. Those papers, were they uh, in the attaché Yes, yes, right, of course, naturally. Okay, so we have established the fact that the attaché case was here in his house. Yes, yes, I remember it. Uh, could he have left it here? Oh, no. I, I mean, why? Well, I don't know. Uh, maybe he wanted to leave his material with you so that you could... Uh, Consider it, no, you know? No, no, I told you that I had already dismissed it as ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Is it possible he could have forgotten it? Well, how could he do that? Once again, I don't know. What I'm saying is, uh, perhaps, he was so upset that uh, he just... Oh, wait. Was he upset when he left? Was he upset? Uh... I guess it would have only been natural, huh? Oh, yes, yes, of course. So... He could have left without it. I haven't seen... No, 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 just wait a moment. Uh, Mrs. Lufkin, uh, perhaps my housekeeper... Oh, yes, Professor. Uh, Mrs. Lufkin, have you... Have you seen an attaché case around here that, that does not belong to me? It's a... Uh, Lieutenant, I'm, I'm afraid I don't remember what it looked like. Well, according to Mrs. Porter, it's a very old and quite scuffed. Kind of uh, brownish in color. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mrs. Lufkin? No, sir. No, I haven't seen anything like it. It wasn't there in the car with his body. Well, the killer must have taken it with the other things. Well, from the looks of it and the uh, shape it was in, it wasn't worth stealing. And yet, Lieutenant, it's missing? Oh, yes, ma'am, yeah. The attaché case and uh, everything in it. Yes. Yes, I remember now. Yes, he did have it with him. He walked out of the door with it. Oh, then that takes care of that. Why would a a criminal want that attaché case? Or or what would be in it? Well, who knows what passes through the criminal mind, huh, Mm -hmm. ma'am? Yes. Well, I wish that I could help you, Lieutenant. Well, I wish someone could help me, Professor, because, frankly, right now I'm stuck. It's the doorbell, Mrs. Lufkin. Can't you hear the bell? What is the matter with that woman? Is she deaf? All right out there. I'm coming. I'm coming. Uh, uh, y- yes, ma'am. You 
You wish to see me? I, I'm Professor Jeremiah Soames. Please excuse me, Professor. I, I, I shouldn't have kept ringing your bell like that. Well, certainly not. I, I'm very sorry. I'm, I'm not at all myself. You see, my husband... He, he was murdered. Oh. His name is... Was. David Porter. And, and I understand that you may have been the last person to have seen him alive. That is, of course, with the exception of the murderer. Ah, uh, Mrs. Porter, won't you come in? I, I really don't know why I'm here. Now, uh, uh, won't you have a chair? Thank you. Um, Mrs. Porter, what what can I do for you? What can you do for me? Well, now that I think of it, nothing. There's nothing anyone can do for me now. Even if they catch the person who murdered my husband... It won't change anything. It won't bring him back. I'm very sorry, Mrs. Porter. I'm not really Mrs. Porter anymore, am well, I? Legally. Well, legally. Well, I, I mean, I'm talking about actually, physically, definitely. How can I be Mrs. Porter when there's no longer a Mr. Porter? Uh, you, you had a talk with him the other night, didn't you? Yes. What did you think of him. I, I mean, as a scholar. Please, don't try to spare my feelings. Well, I listened to him. I examined his alleged findings. Alleged? Well, you see, I, I questioned their validity. Are you implying that the evidence, the artifacts he brought back from Asia are not genuine? Oh, no, no. I only questioned whether they were relevant. Did they belong to the people of Chater? Or whether the product of a, of a different people, another people who appeared on the scene later on. And in your opinion, they were not appropriate. That is correct. But that was only your opinion. You know, ever since he read your earliest book about Chator, those people became his, well, I, I could say, his reason for existence. Oh, I'm flattered. We went to the site of ancient Chator. On our honeymoon, can you imagine? We traveled north with the mosquitoes and the dust and the rocks and the biting winds. And every day, he would see something else. He would, he would find something else. And we reached that place where, according to you, the people of Tator were supposed to have turned west and south. Yes. But he said, he said to me, look... What if they didn't? <laughs> That's ridiculous. They did. Well, I I'm only telling you what he said to me. And so we kept going north. He was looking for the trail of the people of Tato. There is no such trail. Yes. Yes, that's what he was beginning to think after a while. And then he found it. What did he find? The dagger. A Chator dagger made of bronze. There is no such dagger. But he showed it to you, didn't he? That's what he came here for. That's just a moment. He he showed me a dagger. With the serpent carved on the hilt. He was deceived. Now, he knew that he had found the trail. That dagger pointed the way. And as we went north, we saw the carvings and the cave pictures, 
Oh, with that, that serpentine design. I tell you, he had deceived himself. He was in a daze. He, he was a man who received the shock of tremendous revelation. And he said to me, he said, Soames is wrong. He is wrong about the people of Chaitanya. Your husband simply did not know what he was talking he about. He said, I have it here. We can go home now and publish. But first, I must show it all to Soames. Yes. Yes, he did. He showed it to me. Oh, believe me, Mrs. Porter, I, I tried to be nice to him. I tried to let him down as gently as I could. Like a fool, he came here. In him, you saw the man who was about to take away from you everything that made your life worth living. It hit you. It struck you like a bolt of lightning. And in one sudden, uncontrolled spasm of fury, you killed him. Mrs. Porter, what are you saying? Professor Jeremiah Soames... I accuse you of murder. How could I have murdered him? You killed him with that dagger. The, the dagger that would have cut you down from your pedestal. What did you do with the dagger? Mrs. Porter. Mrs. Porter. How could you ever hope to prove such a monstrous accusation? <laughs> He doesn't have to prove it to our satisfaction. We know it already. But we don't count. First, she'll have to convince the police. And then, a jury. But of course, she would have no problem at all if she could manage to convince a certain person. And you know who that person is. That will be the business of Act Three. Sometimes we make what we like to call a logical assumption. We say a thing is so because it seems to make sense. But does it make sense because that's what we want? So many times we say we are seeking the answer to a question. But is that true? Don't we start out with the answer already in mind? And isn't our quest merely to find the evidence that proves it? You murdered my husband. Mrs. Ford. No! Don't touch me. Don't come near me. You do not know what you're saying. That isn't true. I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying. I'm saying something terrible. And, and I had to say it because this way I could believe that my husband was right and that you would murder him because of it. But, but the fact is, a gentle elderly scholar like you can't be a murderer. Oh, Mrs. Porter, please. And therefore, my husband was a man who believed in something that just wasn't so. And I've been fighting it because I don't want to accept it. I can't do it anymore. I had to explode at somebody. I'm sorry. I apologize. Now I better go. Excuse Mrs. me. Mrs. Porter. Mrs. Lufkin. Mrs. Lufkin. I am here, Professor. You don't need to shout. Where were you? Uh, well, I, I was downstairs in the basement. What were you doing in the basement? Well, I heard that poor woman. Oh, what she must be going through. Oh, it's dreadful. I, I'm sorry for her. Well, I'm sorry for her, too. 
professor. What are you looking at me like that for? What... What am I supposed to do about it? Professor, I didn't say what anything. What can I do about it? I'm sorry. I said I was sorry. I'd give anything for a thing like that not to have happened. Why did I have to answer the doorbell? I told you, Professor, I was in the basement. You are supposed to shield me from people who intrude on my time. I was doing the laundry. You see, that, that woman has upset me. I cannot concentrate on my work now. I'm sorry. If you have to bury yourself in the basement where you don't hear the doorbell, I would rather you sent the laundry out. Um, well, what did you do with your shirt, Professor? Oh, please, don't change the subject. Well, I asked you to leave it out for me. You couldn't possibly wear it another day. I've never been so embarrassed. Where is the shirt you were wearing the other night? When I left for my sister-in-law's house, I, I can't find it anywhere. Where is it? Where is what? Your very good all-cotton shirt. I would like to put it in the machine. It washes so beautifully. No, it doesn't. I beg your pardon. It doesn't wash at all. And that, that's why I had to get rid of it. You got rid of that beautiful, practically brand-new shirt. Mm, mm. I, I told you what had happened. Ah. I had made a pot of coffee, and when I brought it over to the table, I slipped and... Spilled it all over everything and everybody, including myself. Oh. I thought I would leave the shirt for you to wash, Mrs. Lufkin. You should have. And then, well, I remembered about the coffee stains. Once they set, you can never get them out. So I started to scrub at the stain, but obviously it was too late. It wouldn't come out. I see. <laughs> you know, actually, I scrubbed so hard, I must have weakened the uh, material and I... I made rather a large hole. That's too bad. The shirt was obviously ruined, and so I simply threw it in the garbage, and it was picked up this morning. Oh, I, I'm sorry you did that, sir. I could have used it for cleaning rags. Oh, yes, I didn't think of that. But I suppose you had to do quite a bit of scrubbing, what with the floor and your shirt. It's just that everything was so unsightly. What are you sniffing at, Mrs. Lufkin? Did you, um... Did you have a fire going last night? Hmm? Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I did. I was rather chilly. Last night? Hmm. Seemed rather warm and humid to me. Well, I'm probably coming down with something, and I thought that I might enjoy a fire. Yes, sir. I mean, it's my house. It's my fireplace. And if I... If I want to enjoy a nice, cheery blaze, am I required to request anyone's permission? No, no, Professor. What, what am I doing here? I, I must get back to my work. And, and you listen to me. If the doorbell rings, I am not at home. To anyone. Now, is that clear, Mrs. Lufkin? Of course, Professor. You haven't touched the veal, Professor. No. I'm not hungry, Mrs. Lusky. You haven't been hungry for the past three days. Hmm? Are you trying to make something out of that? No, Professor. If a man doesn't feel like eating for a while, it doesn't have to signify anything. We all eat too much anyhow. A little judicious fasting now and then, we'd be the better for it. What do you say to that, Mrs. Lufkin? Well, all I want to say is that if you're going to let food go to waste, tell me in advance, and I'll prepare something cheaper. The hunters and gatherers of Chetor, you know what? They would grab a handful of wild wheat from the stock, and they would munch on it as they traveled. And that was dinner. That and the meat of an animal that they might have been lucky enough to encounter and kill. Yes, fruits, nuts. Berries. And I could serve you fruits and nuts and berries, Professor. 
But I'm not sure I can go hunting for me. Mrs. Lufkin, I must ask you not to look at me like that. Well, I wish you would describe the look. And I will take pains not to assume it any longer. You are siding with her. Her? That woman. His wife, Mrs. Porter. You are taking her part. You you, you think that I treated her badly, huh? No, I, I thought you had been placed in a very uncomfortable position. You thought that I had been cruel to her. But what was I to say? To do? You know, she had actually accused me of murdering her husband. Now, now that's ridiculous, isn't it? But tell me, don't you think that that's absolutely ridiculous? Yes, Professor, yes. It does sound ridiculous. Yes. Now, I'm, I'm going upstairs. I have work to catch up with. Oh, uh, aren't you going to take your mail upstairs? Oh, there's a card from your friend in London, um, uh, Dr. Hodges. <laughs> And you read it, I suppose. Well, if he had wished for privacy, he would have written a letter. He says there are strong rumors that you are in the running for the prize this year, hmm? I know. I know. And nothing had better happen to spoil my chances. Uh, Lieutenant Barnett. Yes, ma'am. Come in. Sit down. You, uh, look familiar. My name is Mrs. Muriel Lufkin. Oh, yes. Now I remember. You're, uh, Professor Soames' housekeeper. Mm. What can I do for you? I, 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 I'm afraid I, I don't know how to begin. Well, let's just start at the beginning and go on from there, huh? Well, that, that wouldn't help much because even after I could get beyond the beginning, I, I wouldn't know where to go. Well, uh... Let me put it this way. What is there that you know that could be of interest to the police? Well, right now, I I don't know anything. But you're here. Yes, I am here. Uh, I, I would like to, to solicit some information from the police. Such as? Uh... Well, there is something I must know for my own sake. Yes. Lieutenant, when the body of David Porter was brought to, to to wherever they bring bodies, I would imagine that there were some um, blood stains on his shirt. Well, obviously, he was stabbed. Were, were there any Were there any stains on his jacket? Blood stains. Coffee stains. Why do you ask? I must know, Mrs. Lufkin. Uh... It's hardly the business of the police department to satisfy your curiosity. But it isn't idle or morbid curiosity, Lieutenant. Well, perhaps if you could tell me why. I can't. Well, if I could tell you, would it help my investigation? Perhaps. I read detective stories, Lieutenant. I know how you people operate. You collaborate with all sorts of, of questionable characters. Can't you trust a reputable citizen for a change? What can I expect in return? Perhaps nothing. And perhaps everything. Let me check with the lab. What? What are you doing here, Mrs. Lufkin? I'm cleaning your office, Professor. You never clean my office. I told you when I hired you that the rest of the house could be spotless... 
But I don't want anyone misplacing my books and my papers. Yeah, well, nevertheless, I have been cleaning your office. Secretly. Once a week, I come in here and I remove the top dust. What were you looking for? What would I be looking for? Did she ask you to find it? Did who ask me to find what? Mrs. Porter. The two of you, you stick together, huh? Now, don't lie to me. I know what you're looking for. It's in the closet. Right in here, you see? The dagger. Yes. The bronze dagger. How did you find out? Uh, you said you had spilled coffee on his coat. There weren't any coffee stains. Did that mean you were lying about the coffee? Yes. Then... Why did you scrub the floor and dispose of your shirt? What other stains could there have been? Blood. Oh, why did you have to find out? You wanted me to, Professor. What? How could you say that? I am not a detective, but I am a housekeeper. You did everything to arouse my suspicions. Now listen to me, Mrs. Lufkin. You have been with me for ten years. You're not going to tell the police. No, I won't. But you will. No, no, never. No, no, not this year. Not when I'm so close. You will have to. I don't have to do anything, Mrs. Lufkin. Now, don't force me to kill you. You wouldn't kill me. I can do it. I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger. Mm. I, I have the knife in my hand, and I am standing between you and the door. I know all that, and I still say you won't do it. Ah, poor David Porter. He caught you at a terrible moment, unaware, with your defenses down, when, when your demon was in command. Now you listen to me, Mr. And I know that demon inside you, too. I know how, how you would raid silently against the obscurity and the neglect. How it ravaged you to see lesser men than you receive the honors. And then, at the last moment, along comes this. This youngster and... Well... Well, you see, I I don't know what happened to me. I don't know. I, I, yes. Yes, I do, yes. For the first time, I... For the first time, I did not think of the work, only of the fame. Had you been in command, you would have welcomed that young man, proclaimed the value of his discovery, and you would have been hailed for it. Oh, what am I going to do now? Now? Well, you can either kill me or call the police. Yes. Well, I don't know the number. I'll get it for you. Dear Mrs. Lufkin, how am I going to get on without you? You might not go away for long, Professor. It was completely unpremeditated. And you weren't yourself at now. <laughs> Now, you had better give me that dagger. Yes. The bronze dagger of the people of Chetor with the serpentine insignia on the hilt. Only one time in over 19,000 years was it used to shed blood. And hopefully, the last. <sighs> Think back to the first time the dagger was used. It was clenched in the fist of a man who can be fairly described as a primitive savage. 
Some 20,000 years later, it is once again clenched in the fist of a man. But this one is a highly educated product of a most advanced society. And yet, each was driven by the same passion and blinded by the same fury. In so many years, have we really changed so little? I shall return shortly. Mrs. Lufkin spoke of the demon inside Professor Soames. Yes, each of us has a demon. A demon that is like another self. Rudyard Kipling understood the situation very well. He wrote, When your demon is in charge, do not try to think consciously. Wait. Drift. Yes. One should neither fight one's demon nor obey it. Just wait till the storm dies down. Our cast included Norman Rose, Carol Titel, and Bob Caliban. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. And before you venture to disagree, consider that despite a few perfectly normal intervals of doubt, she does enjoy a happy marriage. I'll be back shortly. I posed a little problem at the beginning of our story. How is the child molded? What makes him the man? Two youngsters. Why does one become a ruthless killer and the other a dedicated cop? Our modern wise men study, analyze, experiment, but their answers leave us no wiser. On the other hand, the ancient wise men dismissed the problem by saying that all of us are playthings of the whimsical gods. Why isn't that as good an answer as any? Our cast included Howard Dutsova, Terry Keene, Robert Dryden, Leon Janney, and Bryna Rayburn. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. <laughs>